Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello, and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. One of the biggest impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic is the toll it's taken on our mental health. So today we're looking back at what we've learned one year after COVID-19 arrived in Arizona. Joining us is Dr. Alicia Cowdery. She's a district medical group psychiatrist and outpatient medical director for behavioral health services at Valleywise Health. Dr. Cowdery, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Dr. White. As we look back on one year since COVID-19, do you feel like it's gone by slow or fast? Well, I think that uh, I have a variety of reactions to, to that. I feel like it's been an eternity, but it's also been five minutes. Um, there are parts that were so slow and seemed to drag on. And then there were other parts that seemed to just kind of blow right past us. I, I found myself saying, you know, hey, we can do this for the next couple of months, you know, in about March or, or April. And then all of a sudden it was Thanksgiving and New Year's. And I think we all experienced these fluctuations of time. As a psychiatrist, how are you feeling about the state of our society and our world one year later since we first became knowledgeable about COVID-19 and COVID-19 disease? Yeah, it's, it's so surprising that it's been a year. There's a, a variety of emotions and thoughts, just like everyone's experiencing. You know, I think there are, you know, the devastating loss and suffering, suffering on an unprecedented scale from you know, COVID-19 itself to the incredible amount of people who died to the families and friends that are impacted. There's the loss of jobs and finances, economic fears, racial and political tensions and isolation that can really paint a, a grim picture for many people. But there's also hope that we see in, you know, the numbers slowly decreasing and vaccines and additional therapeutics rolling out. You know, so many of people have experienced significant emotions and people are talking more about mental health, which I think is a good piece uh, when we look back at this over the last year. You know, there's less stigma because more people are experiencing these things, which means people talk about it more, which leads to people seeking to improve those experiences and not judging other people for having them because it's a, a collective loss that we all feel. You know, no one is immune to the psychological toll of this crisis. Um, and we all have a role in working together, supporting each other, and reaching out to people in an effort to provide empathy and support folks when they're vulnerable. You know, we've seen a lot of imagery and a lot of stories regarding the acute medical illness that surrounded uh, those that have been affected with COVID-19 disease. But we really haven't seen or seen a lot of information published around the mental toll uh, that this has taken on the patients themselves. We focused a lot on the mental toll of the caregivers and those that are directly involved in the day-to-day -day assistance of folks affected with COVID-19 disease. Uh, have you noticed an increase in mental health issues predominantly in those that are recovering from COVID-19 disease, as well as those that have been adjacent to those that have been affected by this um, uh, deadly virus? For sure. There's been a, a tremendous increase in mental health issues uh, during 2020. You know, some people who've never had any prior mental health symptoms now experience challenges with anxiety, isolation, loss, stress, depression, insomnia, and increased substance use. 
Um, there's also a, a significant amount of trauma that people experience, uh, depending on on what their experience with the with the disease has been, and 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 the impact it's had on themselves and their family. Um, and you also see, you know, just as you mentioned, people recovering from COVID nineteen. There's uh, it's it's a long recovery for many people, um, and and a recovery they didn't expect. You know, they didn't expect to be out of work for six months, or you know, still having trouble breathing. You know, several months later, and and it's really impacted their day to day life and function. Functioning in, in a way that you know a year ago they would never have expected would happen to them. So there's a, a lot of ex- people experiencing a lot of mental health issues um, with this pandemic, because again of the just the the suffering on a whole new unprecedented scale uh, that uh, that people are experiencing. I think we focus a lot on uh, a lot of the negatives and uh, around this and how the the negative impacts that we've seen uh, of those affected by COVID-19 and society as a whole affected by COVID-19. Have you seen any positives uh, or improvement in mental health issues as we are rising and coming out of one of the most acute phases in this pandemic? Definitely. So I think the good news is that mental health um, services quickly pivoted to, to providing telehealth services to increase access to help meet that that increased need. So so a lot more people have had access to those uh, services, whereas they you know it's a lot easier to pick up your smartphone and click on a link um, or or do something like that than you know show up in a in an office um, for treatment. So the the quick pivot to telehealth I think has really um, increased access for people um, and decreased the stigma of actually seeking out treatment. Um, and, and like I mentioned before, I think more people are talking about what they're experiencing because it's a collective experience and that helps normalize the challenges that people might might experience. Um, I believe this pandemic opens us up to be less stigmatized about mental health and seeking treatment because it's been felt on a more widespread basis. And people will realize you can't just, you know, will it away or pull up your bootstraps or get over it. They're, these are real symptoms of real medical conditions that deserve evidence-based treatments to manage. And I think the more that, you know, people can talk about it and say, hey, you know, I was going through a really, you know, anxious and isolated time. You know, I found myself not being myself and I really needed to seek help. And I started seeing a therapist and, and I learned some techniques and coping skills. And, and now I manage that better. You know, the more people talk about that, the more it opens up, uh, you know, talking about that with your neighbor might say, oh, hey, well, if you sought treatment, then it's, you know, kind of I can talk about seeking treatment, too. Or what was that like? Um, as you would if you, you know, knew your, your neighbor had been through, a, a, you know, treatment for diabetes or cancer. So I think that the positive is that we are talking more about mental health, which I think will then also um, improve some of the therapeutics um, and treatments that we have for mental health as people see it as more valuable and less stigmatized. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about the mental health impact of the COVID-19 pandemic one year later. For the latest information about COVID-19, please visit cdc.gov or your local public health website. Valleywisehealth.org also offers a considerable amount of information regarding this disease. Dr. Cowdery, we have seen a lot uh, through this pandemic. What has surprised you the most about the mental health impact of COVID-19? You know, that's a great question. I think for me, uh, it's it's the humanity of people. Um, you know, we are social beings and without those usual social experiences, you know, I've seen people be really creative and kind uh, to one another um, in an effort to, to help people's 
mental health, you know, whether that be people handing out, you know, water bottles, letters of hope and masks to people experiencing homelessness, to finding a homemade treat on my front porch from a kind neighbor, to seeing, you know, a fun masked dance party in a front yard, to a Zoom scavenger hunt in people's home offices, to people volunteering at the vaccination sites and donating food to healthcare workers. You know, I think it's really people checking in on each other, reaching out to just say they care and that we're all in this together as a community. And I think that that's uh, been a really refreshing piece to see throughout these, this uh, pandemic. I'm truly hopeful that one of those is the positive uh, lasting effects of COVID-19 is the sense of connectedness, not only that we have with each other, you know, but within our families as we've spent more time together now around quarantine and some of these other periods. Talk about how society's responses changed throughout the year. You know, early on, we saw things such as panic buying of toilet paper, or, you know, we had a period of time with our stay-at-home order here within the Arizona, uh, binging Netflix, um, and being, again, together with our families. How has this changed throughout the year and the impact on our mental health issues? Yeah, I think our response has changed so rapidly, and this was just a new experience for all of us. It's like, you know, the pivot was a, was the option for us in everything we were doing. You know, there was the, you looked towards the next day and thought, I, I can't make any guarantees about what's happening tomorrow. I can only, you know, control what's happening here today. And I think there was just so much information and also so little information at the same time. And that's really challenging for people to grapple with. Um, you know, scientists and healthcare workers were moving as rapidly as possible to try to understand this disease and the recommendations changed with more information and studies. So people just responded as expected, which is trying to control what they could. Um, so that might have meant panic buying toilet paper or Clorox wipes. So you, you felt secure that you had those things, you know, for, for other people as, you know, maybe they slowed down and, you know, uh, took a break from their overscheduled lives uh, and they were able to enjoy a lot more of those moments that were, you know, previously had gone by very quickly, um, you know, and, and enjoying that time versus filling all of it up. You know, for others, the impact may have meant working harder and more hours. So there's just a such a variety of experiences based on, you know, each person's life, their family life, the type of work they do. Um, all of those things drove just, you know, rapidly changing responses that, you know, as we look back, you know, hey, would I have made those same choices in March? But maybe, maybe not. But I was, you know, dealing with the information I had at, at the time and made the best decision that I could. So I think it's important for us to to acknowledge that we had to pivot so rapidly um, and constantly. And and that was that was OK. That's how you know, that's how we got through this. And, and that's how we move forward. One of the more devastating effects that we have seen from the pandemic is the number of individuals that have lost their jobs or are hurting financially due to impacts from the COVID-19 pandemic. How does an individual's financial uh, health or finances play in their overall feelings of mental health? So uh, it plays a tremendous role, you know, economic stability uh, plays a huge role in a person's mental health. We, we all need our basic needs met to feel safe and secure. 
you know, when you have any sort of threat to your finances or your housing, people can experience a variety of emotions. It might be fear, it might be panic, dread, stress, um, a loss of confidence in, in yourself, um, or it also might, you know, mean some catastrophizing, which is like, you know, oh no, my finances are low, but I'm going to be homeless in, you know, in a month. What do I do with this? Um, and so that that loss of that locus of control can be really challenging. And, and as, as you can imagine, if if you're you're struggling to to meet your basic needs of, of you know, housing and food um, because of your finances, it can be really hard to to attend to other things, to attend to your mental health, or make sure you're you know using your coping skills. That we really just all need those those basic things met to feel safe and secure. And if we don't, it's going to affect our our mental health significantly. One of the other areas that we've seen is uh, a disruption in the usual routine, especially for our children. How do you think the growing up during this time of a pandemic is going to impact our children long term? So we definitely know that it, it will impact our kids long term, but I don't know that, that we know the real long term impacts at this time. Kids are a, a vulnerable population, of course, and it's been difficult to pivot, you know, for, for their needs, including their educational needs, you know, attending classes with schools being closed. They can't see their friends regularly or partake in some of the usual physical activities that keep them healthy and, and well. You know, and kids don't fully understand what's happening or why their parents might be anxious. So it's really challenging for kids to to fully understand what's happening. Um, you know, there, there definitely have been increases in, you know, uh, anxiety, depression, and suicidal thinking for, for children. And, and we need to make sure that there are resources and treatments available for folks when they go through these challenges. I think the other piece is that, you know, kids are resilient and, and although the future is uncertain, uh, kids are talking about their emotions and experiences, which decreases the, same, the shame and isolation of the impact. Psychiatrist Dr. Alicia Cowdery is answering your questions about the long-term mental health impacts of COVID-19. If you would like to speak with someone about your own mental health, ValleyWise Health offers integrated behavioral health care at our ValleyWise Health Community Health Centers located throughout Maricopa County. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at ValleyWise Health by calling 833 855 9973 Monday through Friday from 7:30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. We've talked a lot about the impact of not only finances and impact on our children. What is some of the impact that we're seeing on our frontline healthcare workers? Yeah, for sure. That's a, a really important population. You know, so our healthcare and frontline workers are our heroes. Um, you know, th these are the folks that uh, have gotten us to the point where we are today. You know, the stress and work that has been unbearable and relentless for, for almost a year with all of that pivoting um, of new information and new access to, to different treatments and, and tests and, and vaccines and things like that. You know, the, the psychological toll of loss, stress, trauma, and increased demand can be debilitating for some people. You know, it's driven some people out of healthcare. It's driven other people to want to work in healthcare, you know, and it's empowered others to serve more and, and do better. So we need to focus on supporting these folks so that they don't experience the effects of trauma, loss, and burnout. You know, there are specialized uh, healthcare teams trained to support experience, people experiencing these challenges. 
and we need to improve access to these resources so that that we don't have a, a decline in our workforce or, or burnout that leads people to leave those uh, healthcare and frontline worker jobs because they we, we've seen how important uh, those roles are um, in in battling such a, a significant healthcare um, situation. Yeah, they truly have been the warriors throughout this pandemic, you know, and and the support they've received from the community has been just tremendous and, and such a positive, uplifting thing for all of those of us that are involved in healthcare delivery um, around that. One of the more, you know, pressing and issues on the forefront now is uh, vaccination and COVID-19 vaccine. How do you expect this availability and this new therapy to impact our outlook on this pandemic? I believe it gives us hope. It's that that hope that we've needed, that there's some relief in sight, um, you know, that we may be back be able to go back to some of our favorite experiences someday soon, whether that be, you know, visiting your grandma in person and not on a screen at her nursing home, uh, attending a concert, hugging new friends, dating, or going to the zoo. You know, people people can be skeptical because there's a lot of information and, and many people have platforms to provide information, even if they are not experts. And so it's a really challenging for folks to navigate all of the information that's out there. And that's why I think people are skeptical. So, you know, I think it's important uh, and best to use, you know, peer reviewed scientific information from the respected experts um, in the field to drive a person's healthcare decisions uh, about, about the vaccine. I certainly think it's an important thing that everyone should be comfortable about talking with their healthcare provider about any skepticism they have about interpreting all of this data that's available of there. I think it's important and it is an important step. And I, like you, hope that this is going to give folks a sense of that we have progress towards getting us out of the pandemic. What are some signs that individuals can look for in themselves or others uh, that something's off and you may need help from a mental health expert? So, yeah, I think it's really important for folks to examine what they're experiencing and how that affects their 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 lives. You know, if people are experiencing challenges that are affecting your day to day life and your day to day functioning. It's really important to seek help, you know, whether that be changes to your mood, anxiety, depression, irritability, difficulty sleeping, increased substance use or suicidal thinking. These are, are all signs that, that you should reach out to to an expert in the field um, to get some support and treatment. And, and that support and treatment can look different for, for all types of people. You know, it may just be, you know, some looking at your, your day-to-day experiences and, and scheduling out, you know, an improved way to, to manage uh, your day to, you know, activating some behaviors that may be more positive, learning some coping skills. Uh, there may be medications that, that can help folks. So there's a, a variety of treatments that are out there to help people. And that's why I think it's really important that if you're experiencing any of these things that are, are affecting your functioning or, or you just notice uh, need some improvement, you know, seek out some help so that, that we can help you get through this. What type of help is available? You talked a little bit about medications um, through there and and a little bit about working with and and working through um, some sort of talk therapy or some sort of conversational type therapy. Um, Does that always mean that I need to see a psychiatrist or can I seek other resources that may be able to provide uh, some of these outlets uh, for treatment of these issues? 
So yeah, for in behavioral health or mental health, there are a variety of different um, different levels of folks you could see, as in in lots of other types of physical health care. You know, a person may want to seek uh, the support of a, a therapist, which could do mean a variety of different things. There's supportive or talk therapy. You know, there's cognitive behavior therapy, which is uh, the cognitive part is uh, how you think and the behavior part is how you behave. So maybe examining some of those negative thinking patterns you may be having or some of those automatic thoughts you have about, about things you're experiencing. Um, to, you know, just even the basics of having some accountability with your schedule or, you know, putting in positive um, activities like exercise into your routine to looking at your nutrition and, and how that might play a role in what you're experiencing. Um, you know, and then there's a, there are other types of therapy, but those are pretty the most common types of therapy a person um, might experience. And then there's, you know, other things that, that people may want to be involved in. There are, you know, individual and group counseling, there's family counseling that's available. Um, and then all of those things can be provided by a person that um, isn't necessarily a psychiatrist. So a psychiatrist is going to be a person um, that's going to evaluate you for a mental health or substance use condition and has the ability to prescribe medication. So a, a psychiatrist has been through medical school and, and has that, that specialty um, to be able to prescribe the medications. And the medications are, are always going to be a joint um, decision based on the person and what they're experiencing and, and the doctor and what they they view as the, um, the best treatment for the person. So talking about the pros and cons of medications or the pros and cons of different types of treatment and what works for a person. So it's really a person-centered care and shared decision-making model to figure out what's going to help the person get better. It's wonderful to see all of those types of options that are available to really help, you know, with individuals that proud of, uh, may need that support um, for uh, these mental health issues. What can people do to help their loved ones as we continue to cope with our new reality? Yeah, I think if we just keep it basic, it's check in with people you know, ask them how they're doing and really ask and really listen, not just a, you know, walk by in the hallway. Hey, how are you doing? Good. See you later. You know, really ask and really listen. Um, if you see something off, say something. Um, if you're worried about something, don't wait to pick up the phone or check in, you know, give the person permission to talk and keep the conversation going. Ask if there's anything you can do to support. Kind of on those same lines, what are your thoughts on using social media for connection during these times where we're having to maintain social distancing? Kind of some evidence to maybe support this or maybe some of the things that maybe this isn't the best medium for us to make these connections. I think each person has to look at that individually because I think there are some great things about social uh, media platforms uh, that have been, you know, tremendously helpful to the isolation of the pandemic. You know, it's great to be able to connect um, and see, you know, somebody if you're you've been holed up in your home and and aren't seeing a lot of folks. It's nice to be able to have that connection there. I think the challenge comes when people are are kind of spending too much time um, on social media platforms and you know just consuming all of the information that's out there it can be just oh, completely overwhelming and and hard to hard to pilfer out what's good good bad and um, other information. So I think people need to take it with you know kind of be mindful about the amount of time you spend on social media and how it impacts your mood or your health. You know if you 
scroll through Facebook and, you know, saw a fun picture of somebody's dog and, and a new baby and it made you feel good. That's great. You know, if you scroll through it and it, you know, uh, you know, made you feel, uh, negative energy towards somebody or it, uh, you know, impacted your mood in a negative way. I think you need to check those things and say, okay, maybe that's not where I need to, to use my social media time is that let's use it for the positives that are there and, and notice if we're using it in a way that's negatively impacting our health. One of the ways we like to close um, our segments here on Wellness Now is what are three things that our listeners can do to take action on what we've learned today? Sure. So I'll start with the first one I'll say is check in on your own mental health regularly and identify ways to improve it. The second would be check in on the folks around you uh, about how they are doing and keep that conversation open. And number three would be seek help from a professional if you need it. That's why we're here. Dr. Alicia Cowdery, District Medical Group Psychiatrist and Outpatient Medical Director for Behavioral Health Services at Valleywise Health. Thank you very much for spending your time with us today. Thank you. For those listening on the radio, if you've missed any part of today's show, you can find all of our podcasts, blogs, and more on valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you again soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now, brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the healthcare providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.